Hello from the newsroom of the Financial Times in London. I'm Suzanne Blimson. Travis Kalanick, who was ousted from the ride-hailing company Uber after a series of scandals, has a new venture. Cloud Kitchens describes itself as offering smart kitchens for delivery-only restaurants, and it's coming to Europe soon. Malcolm Moore talks to our global technology correspondent, Tim Bradshaw, about the venture and its prospects. So, Tim, Travis Kalanick is back. Tell us, what's he doing? That's been a question for about a year. Nobody has really known. So last March, he announced that he was starting a new investment fund called 10100. And the first deal that he made with that, using the proceeds from selling a big stake of his shares in Uber, was in a company called Cloud Kitchens, or more specifically, its parent company, City Storage Solutions, which sounds, you know, really sexy and exciting for an entrepreneur to get involved in. And nobody really knew what it did. And there's been no publicity about it since then. It's had no coverage. He's tried really, really hard to stay below the radar. But they are planning big expansion around the world. They've been testing out this model of effectively providing a kitchen for restaurants and chefs that are looking to cater to delivery-only customers for things like Uber Eats and Deliveroo, which is a huge booming market. And if you're a traditional-style restaurant that's trying to cater to customers in front of you and customers on the internet at the same time, that can sometimes be a bit of a logistical challenge. And so... These things that some people call ghost restaurants or dark kitchens, which sounds quite exciting, are popping up around the place to cater to these online-only clientele. And what Travis is trying to do is effectively buy real estate and kit it out with kitchens to lease to these chefs and they can then get up and running at a lower upfront cost and they say a lower operational cost And then they can sell more stuff, more pizza, more ice cream, more poke to people on Deliveroo and Uber Eats. Okay. So, look, we'll come back to his secret dark kitchens. But first of all, remind us, why are we so interested in Travis? You know, tell us a little bit about him and what happened beforehand that makes us so interested in what he's doing now. Well, about 10 years ago, he co-founded a little limousine hailing app called Uber, where you would push a button and get a ride. That turned out to be quite popular, especially when they made it not just about limousines, but also about anyone with a car that could pick up anybody in the ride-sharing or ride-hailing model. And Uber is now about to go public at a valuation that some people think could be $100 billion or more. And Travis has a decent chunk of that and still sits on the board, but is no longer the chief executive because he had a bit of a difficult 2017 where some of the simmering cultural problems at Uber, some people have described its culture as toxic, came to the fore. And after a series of allegations against him and his management team, some of which they concede are accurate and some of which they still dispute, he was forced out. And so he was eventually replaced by Dara Khosrowshahi, who is now the chief executive, and he is working very hard to create a new Uber, a new cuddly, friendly chum of government, safe place to get a ride and really kind of change the brand of Uber, which is a very important ingredient if it's going to be a successful IPO later this year. Okay. Now, it wouldn't have been us to use the word toxic because that is a banned word at the FT. But it does seem that Mr. Kalanick has not had to look far for this new business because it seems quite 
closely tied to Uber Eats, which is, of course, the big success story at Uber in the last year or so. Yeah, for the last year or so, which is an interesting point. So he left, I guess, 18 months ago. But it was very obvious within Uber that Uber Eats, which was kind of run as a little skunk works type thing off to the side, it wasn't part of the main Uber business. It was sort of run like a little independent startup within Uber. And so one, it was somewhat insulated from some of the problems that afflicted the ride hailing business. But it also grew like a rocket ship because they were able to use some of the routing algorithms that make sure that your driver comes to pick you up efficiently. You can also be used to get a cyclist your burger at lunchtime or a couple of Starbucks, as they did a deal recently. And also it was in the same app. So people didn't have to download a second thing. It makes it a lot easier for them to gain new customers. And so this was, I think Uber has said, a $6 billion gross revenue business last year. I People bought $6 billion worth of food through Uber Eats around the world. And they think that it could grow to $10 billion this year. And it's growing like crazy. But it did fly below the radar for quite a long time. So folks that were inside Uber before it really wanted to advertise quite how well this was doing, because there was a long time when delivery services were a bit of a waste of venture capitalists' money, would have had an unfair advantage in some ways that they would have seen what was going on. And so Travis was able to take that information and place a bet on what I've heard some people describe as the sort of Amazon web services of food delivery services. He's providing the infrastructure that underlies the business. And I just want to clarify, he's not trying to launch a delivery service in competition with Uber Eats. He very much wants to be an enabler to Uber Eats. Dara tweeted when Travis announced that he'd bought this company or taken a majority stake in this company that, you know, this was a great partner of Uber already. And since then, he's been investing in it. He's also been hiring quite a lot of people from Uber and from other places to go and work there. And it's actually not in San Francisco, like Uber's headquarters, but in LA, which is where Travis was from originally. Right. Where else is it apart from LA? And who else is he talking to apart from Uber Eats? So at the moment, they have bought property in San Jose, which is at the southern end of Silicon Valley. But the sources that we have are telling us that they are exploring expansion into many different parts of the world. And so that includes the Middle East, it includes China, it includes Europe. And one of the places that they're looking at in Europe is here in London. Is there an advantage to being first mover in this industry? I think that people have been slow to wake up to the potential of treating food delivery services as a first class citizen as opposed to an accessory to something else, whether that's a side business for Uber or a side business for the restaurants that sell through it. And the thesis that I'm hearing from a lot of venture capitalists is that if you treat it like a first class citizen as a vendor, you can optimize for it in different ways and effectively piggyback on that growth that food delivery services in general are having. I mean, this is a broader shift in society from instead of people going out to the cinema or going out to restaurants, people are staying home and watching Netflix and ordering Deliveroo or Uber Eats. And so that trend, if my own friends or anything to go by, seems to accelerate when you have a small child. It may accelerate if you're in places that don't have a particularly exciting nightlife. And there's just a sort of broader cultural change that's happening. And I think that being an early mover in providing the infrastructure of that in the same way that Amazon Web Services was for cloud computing, you then become the go-to for what is effectively a new wave of startups in food. But it will require quite a lot of investment, I imagine. It will. I mean, this is described as primarily a real estate play. I think there's probably more of a technological 
component to it than we're aware of at the moment. There are ways that they could help those chefs or restaurants hook into delivery platforms like Uber and Postmates or Deliveroo. And there's also ways that they can just help them run their business in much the same way as a company like Square helps small businesses at the cash register at the till. But it's going to take a lot of investment to buy up that property and they are buying property rather than leasing it. And it's interesting. I mean, in some ways, it's almost like a WeWork for food companies as well. If you're wanting to get going and you want to do it cheaply, then you don't want to have to spend a million dollars to sign a lease and pay for all of the cooking equipment. Okay. What about gathering the data on what customers want to eat and where they are? I mean, presumably, Uber Eats and Deliveroo and the delivery companies, they kind of know where there's demand for certain sorts of food. How will cloud kitchens get hold of that sort of information? Businesses like cloud kitchens and the cooks that build businesses on top of them will want to have a very close relationship with the delivery platforms themselves because that's where the data resides. And so although Travis still sits on Uber's board and still has a big stake in there, it will be in his interest to befriend Deliveroo or Postmates or DoorDash or any of the huge number of companies around the world that are trying to get in on this trend of home deliveries. So they'll have to work with everybody. They want to be neutral But they also want to be neutral so they get data from everyone and then they can figure out where best to position that warehouse. And Deliveroo themselves actually have already tried to do some of this in-house, I think largely by putting shipping containers in car parks. I don't know how well that's worked out for them so far. And some of the investors that I've spoken to in the food tech crossover world say there's a benefit to focus here that, you know, Deliveroo is great at delivering food. And Travis's focus seems to be on the infrastructure and the property side. Okay. Are there any other competitors to Cloud Kitchens that we're aware of? There are others, and there are other people looking at different parts of the stack, if you like, in computing terms. So there are companies that are trying to do kitchen operations, so that if you are a pizza restaurant and you have a great pizza recipe, but you don't want to put your chefs in a shipping container in a car park in East London, they will handle that for you according to your processes. But a lot of these companies are still at quite an early stage. I think this is quite a developing trend, and I think we'll see a lot of investment go into this space over the next year or two. Okay. Thanks very much, Tim. That was Malcolm Moore, our technology news editor, talking to Tim Bradshaw, our global technology correspondent. We'll be back with another news feature tomorrow. In the meantime, if you're not already a subscriber and would like to discover more FT content, do take a look at our latest subscription offer at ft.com offer.